0: an interesting Gemara which we mentioned before in the Chinach Vahadim and I want to address again because I want to add an extra maybe point of understanding the Gemara in Kiddushan talks about what's the best age to the son and the Gemara gives two opinions, the one is between 16 and 22 and the other one is between 18 and 24 and obviously the question is that would seem to be way too late to do chinuch. A person's already made major life decisions by then. A person's already gotten settled in a certain way of doing things. Why does the Gemara consider that the age for chinuch? And we understand this from the Gemara itself that training one's child starts at a much younger age. As soon as they're able to talk, one has to teach them the Torah. As soon as they're able to do things, one has to train them in mitzvahs. So, what's this extra element of chinuch that the Gemara had in mind? when the Gemara says that the primary age to teach one's children is as an older teenager, between 16 or 18 and 22 or 24 so there's a side here and I want to explain it based on the story in the Torah where we learned from and that's the story of Yosef Atzayik we found the fascinating thing by Yosef Yosef Began by with the awareness, the dream if you want, that he was going to be the ruler. His brothers resented it. They even said to him, Are you going to be the one who rules us? You're going to be the one in control of us. And that they sold him as a slave. And of course, as everything we know, what Hashem wants to be is going to be and as much as they thought they were selling Yosef into slavery really that certain process the chain of events which led to Yosef becoming the second to the king and led him to that position of importance over the other brothers now that he was the one in charge of his mitsrayim, he was the one who could control the food of the world. So now the brothers, against their will, had to be subservient to him. But the question is, was that the greatness that Joseph had in mind? That my brothers will bow down to me because they're in a position where they have no choice, because they're forced by circumstances to accept me? And the answer is no. Let's look at a fascinating diok in the Lipsakim. We know that Yosef, when still among the brothers in his father's house, had two dreams. Yosef understood these dreams were not just a dream, it was a prophecy as well. But there's a big difference between the two dreams. The first dream, Yosef sees himself and his brothers gathering sheep in the field. And he says, what happens is, I noticed that my sheep stood straight and your sheaves bowed down to me. And the second dream Yosef had, we don't know where he was, but he said, I saw the sun and the moon and the stars bowing down to me. Now, that doesn't really fit, in the, in the so to speak, in the symmetry of what happened before. If in the symbolism of the first dream, Yosef and his brothers, are compared to sheaves of wheat so we understand them bowing down to yosef is symbolized by their sheaves bowing down to his sheep if in the second dream they're compared to being stars then really what the dream should have been is that the eleven stars bow down to his star that is not what the pastor says it says they're going to bow down to me which means they represented as stars and he's still the person yosef In the first dream it wasn't like that. It wasn't that your sheaves are going to bow down to me, it's your sheaves are going to bow down to my sheep. So why in the second dream is it your stars are going to bow down to me? What's the difference between the two dreams? And the answer is both dreams are correct and they're referring to two different incidents. The first one is the incident of Yosef being in charge of Mitzrayim. Yosef controlling the sale of food to the world, and the brothers coming and bowing down to Yosef because he needed food. If that's the case, the reason, the source of their subservience to Yosef, the reason that they had to bow down to him, was for a practical reason. He was the one who controlled the food. And if that's the case, that's symbolized by their sheaves bowing down to his sheep. The sheaf is the, uh, the wheat streets, the kernels, which they needed to eat. And they were forced by circumstances to bow down to Yosef because they needed food from Yosef. It doesn't say anything about them accepting Yosef as being great. It just talks of the circumstances that they needed the food. And because they needed the food, Yosef could provide it. So it wasn't bowing down to him. It was bowing down to his sheep. It was bowing down to the, what Yosef could provide them with. That's what they needed, and that's what they had to serve him for. That was only the first dream. There was a second dream also, and the second dream is the brothers aren't now compared to sheaves of wheat, which means the fact that they need food. They're compared to stars, as people who are great in their own right. But the second time, then they <laughs> They're bowing down to Yosef himself. Why? because this time it's bowing down to Yosef that they recognize for his greatness. They recognize for the level that he's reached, not just for the necessity of what he can provide them with. That's the second time they bow down to him. And this only takes place after Yaakov dies, and the brothers come to him and they bow down to him and they say At that stage they didn't need him for the food. But at that stage they recognize Yosef's greatness. And they bow down to him because they realize that what they did wrong and that that would be the right way to, so to speak, do tshuva for their mistake. That was Mishtacha Vimli. But that's a nice explanation of the psukim. But if we're going to think about it in a bit of a deeper sense, there's something else for us to learn from here. And that is. That was how did Yosef become greater than his brothers? It's true that Yaakov Yaakov, Avinu spent more time teaching in Torah, but there was much more than that. And that is the circumstances which the brothers themselves brought about by selling Yosef, the trials that Yosef faced, the greatness that Yosef had to rise to, to stand up to the challenges of being in Mitzrayim, whether it was in Potiphar's house or whether it was in the dungeon of of. the jails of Egypt. The position of being responsible for feeding the world, for taking care of of everyone else. That's what made Yosef. It. That's what made Yosef. It. He didn't remain in the same position as all his brothers, just tending the flocks of Yaakov in Eras It was definitely the circumstances that Yosef was confronted with and the growth that it needed from him. In order to rise to the challenge on each occasion, that's what made him great. And therefore it's not two random incidents, the one brought to the other. The fact that they would bow down to Yosef because he could provide the food. Yosef, in that capacity, as the one who took care of everyone, as the one who provided for everybody, as the one who made sure that everybody would have what they needed, that's what made Yosef into the great the great person that he became, with the brothers saw him as greater and bowed down to him as an admission or in recognition of the greatness that he had achieved. Yes, like we said before, Rabbi's was They thought that by selling him, let's see what happens to his dreams. And they didn't realise that by selling him they were actually enabling the dreams to take effect. But we're not learning about the passion now, we're learning about hinah. You know. And why do I want to bring up this point, what do we learn from it? The yisoid, which you want to learn here is that there was another point which we learned from this incident. And we can apply that to ourselves in our capacity as parents. Because at the beginning, a little child is mishtachave, respects, looks up to, obeys, his parents, lack the starting point of the reason why the Shvatim strutting bad anti it. It's from necessity. The parent provides food, the parent has money, the parent will look after them, the parent is stronger and more capable, and therefore they need the parent is needed on a very simple level. And if the children are going to listen to the parent or obey them, respect them, it's for a very practical reason. It's because there's so much that they need that the parent has to provide. That's al lo'alumosi. That's like bowing down to Mashif of Wit. That's respect, which comes from necessity. But nevertheless, the necessity makes the respect happen. And that's why I call the constructed things in such a way where that's a necessary first step in the relationship. That parents are responsible for their children and parents take care of their children, and the children know that they don't have the resources or the ability to take care of themselves, and that's the first step which forces them to respect their parents. It's like the first step of the brothers bowing down to Yosef because they needed him for food. But if that's the only way that parents are going to deserve, so to speak, their children's respect, or get them to listen to them because the children need something from them, They've never really gotten to the real point of Chinuch. And as the child gets older, the Chinuch gets less and less effective. Because as the child gets older, they less and less need their parents. They're more able to take care of themselves. They're more able to make their own decisions. They even get to a stage where they're financially independent. And then, if the only reason for the connection was because they were mishtach they were bowing down to ma'ashif of wheat, they needed me, then as soon as they don't need me, there's no reason for them to respect me. That's the danger of parenting, which the only reason that the child has to respect the parents is because they need the parents. And that's why, unfortunately, it's such a prevalent thing that as children get older, they respect and need their parents less. So what would be the correct approach? And that is The second idea the, That is The second part of Yosef. When it gets to a recognition Of Yosef's greatness And even if they no longer Leads the person But they recognize his greatness They recognize what they can gain from him What they can learn from him And because that's the second reason So to speak to respect And that's the second area where if a parent is successful, so then it doesn't, then the chinuch process changes. It's not just the children respect the parent because they need the parent and that slowly dissipates over time as they need the parent less and less. Rather, they start to see the greatness of the parent, And the older they are, the more they're able to appreciate that and the more they're able to relate to the, with the male as they see in the parents, so then there begins a process of respecting the parents, not for what the parent can provide, but for what the parent is. That's a real level of chinuch. that's proving, Giving an example that somebody else can learn from and gain from, not just in the physical sense, but as, a, as the male of the person. That's why the Gemara says that chenuch begins at 16 or at 18, that's an age where a child is less physically dependent on the parents, they're able to take care of themselves better, and therefore their reliance on the parents is no longer what's going to cause them to be uh, respectful or accepting of the parents. At that stage, if there's a COVID, and if they're gaining from the parent, it's because they're beginning to appreciate the, the greatness of the parents, the manners of the parents. A little children does, a child doesn't do that a little child who really needs their parents and will listen to them and obey them and respect them because they need whatever the parent can provide, doesn't have a, 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 a realization of what the parents' mothers really are. The two-year-old or the three-year-old who needs me to give him food and look after him and protect him doesn't know what my strengths are, what my mothers are, what my goals in life are. He just knows what I can provide him. And as only the child gets older and on the one hand needs me less for physical things but on the other hand, can start to appreciate me for the areas where they can see something that they can emulate, something that they can learn from. A lesson that they can take for their own lives too. And the important point is that a parent naturally knows that they have to provide alumasi. They have to provide physically for their children, they have to look after them as little children, they have to take care of them. And they expect that that, that will be the reason for the children to respect them. And it's true. It works. As long as the child still needs you. As long as there's still something that you're providing him for and he needs, then there'll still be a level of, of respect. of course there'll be a level of <laughs> But if that's all there is, then when, when the child doesn't need a parent anymore, then there's no reason for him to look up to or to respect the parent. It has to be then the feature of the way that the relationship of the parents and the child is, is because the child respects the manners of the parents. It's mishtacha And when the child does that, that's when chinoch starts. Because this is an important point. There's no value, so to speak, for respect in its own right. And if the only reason for respect is because of physical necessity, so yes, a parent will get that respect when they need it. But that's not the end goal. That's not the point. But the idea isn't that a person of children to respect them. The idea is that, khinukh, that a person can impart values to their child, teach them, direct them, give them an role that they can learn from. And that needs the second form, the form of ishtakhabim. Ishtakhabim li. That needs the second point of the, uh, recognizing what the parent has to teach not just what the parent has to provide. Because when the child gets to the stage where he can look up to the parent and see what the parent can teach him, can show him as, as a role model, can direct and advise, that's when the child echinach. But now is the important part. Like we said, what made Yosef great was the fact that he was in the position of taking care of everyone, was the experience that he had. And this is the, the tremendous insight which we see here as well. And that is, What makes a parent able to guide and direct their child? What makes a parent somebody who's someone the child can look up to, not just for physical things, not just to provide their needs, but to really advise them and guide them, is the fact that the parent spent so long looking after the child. Not every parent is necessarily has a tremendous wisdom and experience and insight, into to be the perfect. uh, Role model and guide and die story for their child, and if that's the case, in what way is a child going to look up to the parents for advice, for direction? What qualifies and makes every parent qualified to give that? This is the tremendous you and that is the the fact that the parents been so long looking after the child, giving the child, caring for him. So then, that gives a parent a certain sense of what my child needs. In a certain sense, of a is to do what's good for him and to help him. And that's what then enables me to be able to, when he's going to approach me and ask for advice and ask for direction, the very fact that I so much want what's best for him. I'm so invested in, so to speak, helping him. That's what makes me a person who sees things from a different angle. It puts me in a position where I understand more intrinsically, more internally maybe, what, what, what my child needs, what's best for him, how I'm going to help him. And therefore, it's tough, the first step of looking after him, of taking care of him, taking responsibility for him, helping him for so many years, which puts me in the position of somebody who's able to continue to give advice and guidance because it's coming from a place of a person who really wants and cares so much for them, And really wants what's best for them. And that's something that even a a parent who isn't necessarily an expert in whatever field it's going to be of enough, but can still be a role model, and can still be someone to give advice and guidance to their children, the one leads to the other. But, really we've said a lot, but there's one more important point I want to add, and that is, a parent has to facilitate that second step. If a parent always presents himself just as the one who's able to give physically, and not more than that. Then, as their ability to give physically gets less, their influence on in their child gets less as well. If a parent uh, always, so to speak, positions themselves, as not someone who just wants to give their child physically, but the person who most wants to help their child, who is the most interested in their benefits and their welfare, and even if it's not in a way of giving something physical. But it's the way of giving guidance, it's the way of giving direction, it's the way of giving encouragement, whatever it's going to be, then when, if that's the way that the child sees the parents, then they're going to look at their parents for that encouragement, for that guidance, for that advice and direction, even if it's, there isn't the necessity for the physical help as well. And that's what enables the parents to be a good Makhanech, because being able to direct someone else has to begin from a basis of the person who looks to me for direction. The fact that a person just looks to me for physical assistance, for money, for whatever it's going to be, doesn't mean they're going to take my advice. Doesn't mean they're going to take my direction. But the person who looks up to me as somebody that they trust, as someone they know who has what's best for them, and someone who is concerned about them and has their best interests at heart. It's somebody they'll listen to the advice of someone will listen to the guidance the child who sees the parents as the ones who want to help him and are therefore willing to take advice is, it, is enables the parents to give that khidr, to give that advice and it's dafka because it's built on the years of giving that the child learns that the parents want to give that the parents want to help. And now that when that takes a different form, it's not just giving things physically or helping physically, but it's rather giving in, in, in a more abstract, in a more ruchni way, and encouraging in a more uh, uh, emotional way. That when that when the parent, the child learns to want the parents' advice and input, that that sets the ground for chinuch. That's extra to Grand because now the parents are able to share values and share ideals and share direction. And then that becomes a a way that when a parent, parent even gives a little child at the beginning, and does give so much, and does help them with everything they need physically, but it's there to build that trust that the, my parent is somebody that wants what's best for me. My parent is someone who wants to help me. And help thus extends beyond just taking me to Ghana as a kid, or helping with my homework when I'm a bit older, or providing me with pocket money, or helping me in school. Help means in every way. That's what sets the ground, so to speak, for the parents to provide chenach. That only starts later, when the children can look up to their parents as parents, as people that they can get advice from, as people they can get direction from. That's what enables the parents to be the machanich. When it's the level of Yosef as people recognize, not just as the provider, but Yosef as the tzaddik, Yosef as the man of greatness that they could learn from, then there was an opportunity for people to appreciate who Yosef really was. And that's a lesson for us in Khenits as well.